As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to episode 99, brought to you by Church Home and Zola. You can find the Church Home Global app on the App Store or Google Play, or text CULTIVATE to 555-888. And to start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to zola.com lovely. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa. You can find out more about the podcast at cultivatingthelovely.com in our Yellow Brick Road membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely and in our Facebook group. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram where you can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. That's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-K-O-P-P-A. Ladies, today I bring you an interview with the incredibly lovely and really life full of miracles, Jane Johnson from the book Mercy Like Morning. Ladies, I read Jane's book at the end of last year and it was so moving and incredible and touched me in very personal ways that I wasn't expecting. It's also a wonderful guide to Bible study, which we talk about all throughout this episode. But I just have to say that if you are trying to hold on to hope for anything, if it feels like maybe God isn't showing up or things are taking longer than you want them to, this is an episode that you're really going to want to hear because Jane's story is so inspiring and faith and hope filled that I think you will be really filled as well. But before we get started with this interview, let's talk about what's going on in Patreon. Ladies, it's been so fun to see how people are just getting so involved with the Patreon community in 2019. We have a brand new format that we're using for our monthly challenges. It's actually more of a quarterly vibe that we've got going on. And it all breaks down into a quarterly workbook where you have monthly, weekly, and even daily spaces to be writing down how you see God working in your life. How are the little ways that you are going to purposely cultivate loveliness in your day? All those kinds of things that then you can share with the rest of the group and really find out what other people are learning and thinking about what's going on with all the stuff we have working and cultivating the lovely. We have our What Ingrid and Fiona Like podcast. Just this last week, we broke down all of the books that we read in 2018 that were our favorites, which I'm going to tell you a little something. Fiona didn't really have very many books that she read in 2018, but we broke down our goals for 2019. The books were most looking forward to reading. It was so much fun and a really highly requested episode. And you can get access to all of those past episodes and everything that we do in the future with what Ingrid and Fiona like by just becoming a patron. We've got all kinds of different levels to fit whatever your budget might be, but it's a great way to kick off this year. It's not too late to make a really good go for 2019. 
2019. In fact, you may be getting to the point where you've given up some of your goals for the year, and this would be the perfect time to pick back up, give yourself a fresh start, and join us to really get a handle on how you want to cultivate your life this year. Also, I haven't mentioned in a while, we've got a whole nother podcast that we do that's right here on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and that's the same page. It's a podcast that's meant for families to listen to together, or honestly, a lot of moms just put it on for their kids. We read a classic children's novel over a course of a couple of months. So far, we've done The Wizard of Oz and Peter Pan. We're almost finished with Peter Pan. And every Monday, we release core episodes that are memory work driven. So we've got Shakespeare, poetry, scripture, and presidential facts. They are so much fun. My kids are on it with me. A lot of people say that their kids love hearing other kids reading the works, and I think that's super fun to be able to have that connection between them and the other kids. And then if you're in Patreon, you also get printouts of all the memory work material, a schedule of what's coming, book guides, and all of that sort of thing. And I'm very excited to announce that our next book that we will be starting with on January 28th is Little Women. So now is a great time to be starting listening to that as well. Of course, you can always go back and listen to the previous books. They're available for free wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, why don't we jump into this interview with Jane Johnson? Welcome, Jane. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm so looking forward to having you on the show. I actually, your publisher reached out to me a couple months ago, and we had an ad for your book on the show. And then I was like, well, hey, I think I'm having her on my show, too. So it was kind of fun <laughs> to get to do like this double promotion and, and then really get to sink my teeth into your book. And yeah. It's just so beautiful. I can't wait to talk about it more because it's a really different format than a lot of books yeah. that are out there on the market and mm-hmm. has some really fun and interesting things about the way that it was done. And I can't wait to talk about more of the backstory of that. But for anyone who doesn't know who you are, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I, my name is Jane Johnson and I um, am a little bit of a Jill of all trades. I'm a photographer, graphic designer, a writer. I'm pretty much a creative entrepreneur. So um, I uh, built my own business and I started up my own business about, um, gosh, 11 years ago. Wow. And it's just taken on its own life form. I started off as a photographer and kind of stumbled into graphic design and did that full time for a long time. And now I'm kind of setting that aside to be a mom and focusing solely on writing. So, um, yeah, I have a passion for, um, digging deep into scripture and everything else. So that's kind of the, the general rundown of kind of what I do and how I got to be here. But yeah, it's been a wild ride for sure. Well, and it's so fun to see how that process evolves over the years. You know, like you said, mm-hmm. it started out with one thing and just kind of it morphs from thing to thing to thing. I know. Oh, you know, for sure. I started out in blogging and then, you know, over years ended up podcasting and then got back into voiceover work. You know, it just kind of like mm-hmm. takes on a life of its own and yep. it can be really interesting to look back on. Yeah, definitely. You end up in places that you never thought that you'd expect to be in. Well, that's for, for sure. darn sure. <laughs> for sure. Which kind of brings me to the beginning of your book. I mean, I for anyone who isn't familiar with your story, I mean, you... I'm not going to say you say delayed fertility, so I'm not going to say I you do. battled for with infertility, but there was <laughs> there was no babies coming there for a yeah. long while. And you guys were yep. really, you know, trusting in the Lord. But also you went through some really um, 
I don't even know the word for it, hard things, but also amazing and God-filled things from what it seems like in the book with your best friend Mm -hmm. and everything that she went through. And I was telling you as we were getting recording here, I was like, I read the first couple chapters and I had to kind of like (laughs) set it aside for a minute like, well, okay, wait, this this is hitting a little too close to home. Do you want to share a little bit, just like a cursory glance of what that was? Yeah. So basically the, the, the quick rundown is, um, we were, uh, we tried for a family for about a decade. Um, and I don't like the phrase infertility because it sounded so final to me. It yeah. just sounded like there was no other option and that's it. And you're just infertile. And so I started calling it delayed fertility because I had a promise from God that we were going to have a family of our own and I was going to actually birth a child. And, you know, like I, I just knew what he said no to and what he said yes to and all the different fertility avenues that you can go Mm -hmm. down, um, all the different roads. Um, God kind of shut those roads for us. And so I just clung to the delayed fertility promise and, um, just chose to, that was my little act of faith of, I believe that you're going to do this and it might take a little while, but, um, so, and then about five years into our wait for a family, my best friend was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And, um, and she had also gone through a divorce. She did. Yep. So she was, um, she was actually married to our college pastor. So when I met her, I was a young 20 something married and I'm dating my husband at the time. And Mm -hmm. she was, um, just like, I think she was only four years older than me, but it felt like an entirely different lifetime older because she had a baby and she was married and she was in a completely different life stage. And she kind of took me under her wing and started discipling me and mentoring me. And so our relationship definitely started as kind of like a mentoring, discipling type of relationship. And then over the years, it kind of morphed into just that really close best friend relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, so one or probably a year or two after we got married. Um, she had gotten a divorce from her husband and was a single mom and, you know, living that life for about five years. And so she finally got remarried and they got married in October and in May, I think however many months later, seven months later, she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And then it was 18 months and she was gone and it was super quick and really, really hard, you know, where I had this one, Uh, by the time she died, it was a six and a half year long, you know, unanswered prayer for a family and begging for a miracle for our family. And then she lost her battle with cancer. So I had this other unanswered prayer and it was just this really hard dynamic of where is your spirit? Where's your glory in all of this, you know? And so it was really hard to kind of recognize that. So the first couple chapters are pretty heavy. Yeah. (laughs) Just laying down the, um, the groundwork. But at the same time, I learned how to dig in so deep into scripture as a mode of kind of survival. Mm -hmm. And also like digging into the different stories of scripture and the different women that were barren for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, and then got their miracle babes and learning how to dig deeper so that I just didn't read the same five verses over and over again, you know, to get to the meat of it. And so then I kind of talk about how I learned that and teach other women how to dig that way. And so I feel like it was a really, really hard 10 year stretch, but I also got to experience 
um, a side of God's character that I think that you don't always get to experience when you have this like super easy, you know, like cruise control, life is good kind of life. You know, you, yeah. you miss out on the depths of God. I think when you go through the depths of sorrow and heartache and waiting and all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. I was just reading or listening to a sermon the other day and it was talking about like broken vessels and how a lot of times we have to be broken down in order for God to have this even more glorious thing on the other side. But when we're in it, it doesn't feel like that's coming, you oh, know, for sure. it just feels yeah. so far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and it's excruciating too. You're like, why, why do I have to experience this kind of heartache? You know, like I've done everything right and I love you and I'm obeying you and trying to honor you. And why is this not happening? You know? And it's just yeah. that, age old adage of why do bad things happen to good people? And sometimes it's just a matter of stretching your faith and giving you testimony. And, you know, like there's so many different aspects of God's character that even I haven't even experienced yet. And he just wants to be able to show you like, yeah, it's hard, but it's all survivable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I love how you talk about that in, in your book. And it's, it's such an interesting book to me because, I mean, I want to talk about like the physical layout of it in yeah. a second, but it's really interesting to me just how you were able to weave your story in with like practical, this is how you can study your Bible knowledge mm-hmm. yeah. and you put a Bible study in it and like you really walk people through the process. And I don't know if I've seen another book that has those two things married so well together. It was very interesting. Yeah, it was um, really uh, interesting for me to find that balance because I know that like looking up Greek and Hebrew and parsing and all of those things, those very technical things can be very cut and dry and Mm -hmm. kind of boring, you know, and how to marry those things to make it interesting and to give it life, but also to like validate that those things that's necessary information to know, but how, how do you connect them all? And also the book really combines everything that, you know, the photography and the design, like I really wanted it to be impeccably beautifully designed. So it's something that you just want to like hold on to and write in and use and revisit and things. And so it's kind of a, the perfect blend of all aspects of my personality in one 255 page book. Yeah. When I got your book, it was so different than most books that I get in the mail. I get a lot of books in the mail and it was, you know, it's a different size than the typical Mm -hmm. books that are out there. The paper even kind of feels different. It's, Mm -hmm. I mean, the format obviously, but your beautiful photography was mixed in and I just, I feel like it's rare that authors have that much control and kind of how the end product looks. Yeah. From how yeah, I had a lot of um, freedom, I think, with uh, Harvest House. They were very, very kind to let me be very hands-on because I told them from the beginning, I think that's going to be the hardest part because I am a designer and letting yeah. somebody else design it for me when I have a very clear vision, especially with all of, like the really cut and dry type of things like parts of the book that 
I really need to like make pretty and interesting and yeah that kind of deal. And so they were so kind to work with me and be patient with my, you know, type A kind of, you no, know, it has to be this font at this size and everything else. But yeah. um, I, I really am thrilled with how it turned out. They were so kind to work with me. That's such a blessing because I mean, it's not every author I talk to, but I've, I've talked to a few that are like, yeah, the cover photo really wasn't what I wanted, or they chose a title that I didn't really like, but I didn't have a choice. And yeah, you know, so when I hear from, I've heard from a few authors lately that have said they've been able to be more hands-on with the end product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know Michael and Smith was saying she actually got to choose um, to not have a dust jacket on her book mm-hmm. and that it was actually printed, you know, hardcover exactly how she wanted. So it's kind of encouraging to hear yeah. that, you know, the, the publishing industry is listening a little bit more to the authors and their vision because For sure. I think it makes it an even more personal product, not even mm-hmm. just a book, but, you know, something like you said that people do want to ha- hang on to and right. be more invested in because it feels a little bit different, a little bit more personal. Right. And I had to push a little bit for the um, cover design. Um, We'd gone through a different, a couple of different rounds of design options with different like font, uh, script fonts and that type of deal. And I really, I really felt so strongly that I wanted it to be my own handwriting on the cover. Mm. So the Mercy Like Morning title is my scrawled out handwriting because so much of the book is taken from my prayer journals. And so it was really important to me that it's like my own handwriting. And so I just am so thrilled with how it turned out. So yeah. yeah. Well, it's beautiful. I mean, just all the different aspects of it. That was the first thing that struck me is like, ooh, wow, this is this is not the same kind of thing that crosses my path every day. So mm-hmm. that's that's really fun. To yeah, see yeah I love that. Ladies, a lot of people are wanting to invest more into their church-going experience as they start off the new year. And today I want to tell you about an app that actually helps bridge that gap from real world to technology. It helps you to find meaningful, positive connections and tune out all the negative noise. And it's the Church Home Global app. The cool thing about Church Home is that it's not about excluding people. It's not about being perfect. It's about being together where everyone is welcome. They have these great features that allow you to get into a chat room before the church service even starts. They call it the lobby, so you can actually chat with other people who are doing it. And it's not such an isolating experience. You can actually start entering into community through this app with people who are all over the world. Church Home was started 25 years ago with the belief that church isn't so much about the place, but about the people. And that's the thinking behind their new Church Home Global app, where you can connect with people all around the world, have honest discussions, and create meaningful relationships all from your phone. With Church Home Global, you always have access to a positive space and strong community of people. It has so many great features like the Daily Spark, which is just a quick way to start your morning positively with inspiration from Judah and Chelsea Smith, which is a so much more productive and God-centered way to get started with your morning instead of getting sucked into the black hole of Instagram or some other social media. I really love the women's group that they have, where you can actually talk with other people in the room, but also you can ask questions right to the main speaker and they will get back to you. That's the kind of access that most churches don't even have. So join me today on the Church Home Global app, Download the free Church Home Global app available on the App Store or Google Play or text CULTIVATE to 555-888. That's Church Home, C-H-U-R-C-H-O-M-E, Global, available on the App Store or Google Play or text CULTIVATE to 555-888. But even backing up a little bit more, so you had, you know, this 10-year experience and 
you know, went through all of that and your, you know, career developed and changed over that time. But how did the book even come to be? How did that become well, a thing? Well, that's the funny part is that it was kind of accidental. I mean, it wasn't accidental. I mean, everything is, sure, so, yeah. it was sovereignly accidental. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I had always had the feeling that our story was going to turn into some sort of book. Um, And that was the only way that I could reconcile the amount of time that was going by and all the heartache. Like surely this is going to turn into something like it can't just be open ended, you know? And so I was just journaling through everything and not, not intentionally to turn it into a book, but just so that I could um, sit down in the morning and hash out my feelings to get them out and get along with my day. Cause if I didn't, I'm a verbal processor mm-hmm. processor and also like a prayer journal writing processor. And if I don't get it out somehow, then I'm just going to stew on it. And it's like yeah. a hamster wheel. So anyways, I just knew like, I told a girlfriend of mine at some point, um, we were having lunch and I was like, I have the bulk of a book written. I just don't know how it's going to end. I don't know what the ending is going to be. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, was, just driving one day and checked my phone at a stoplight, which, you know, you shouldn't do, but everybody <laughs> yeah. does and check my email. And I had an email waiting for me from the publisher. And, um, my husband went to high school with, um, one of the girls that works for this publishing company. And she told their acquisitions editor about our story and she read my blog and she reached out and she's like, Oh my gosh, we need to like turn this into a book. So it was like, I wasn't even looking for it. I wasn't yeah. even pursuing it. It was just one of those things that God was like, okay, now's the time. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) I had 10 years to write an entire book with all the time in the world. And then all of a sudden when I, the book deal came about when I was five or six months pregnant. So then I ended up writing the book with a newborn. Um, so it was just like when I don't have any time whatsoever and it was just like his, he stripped everything away and made sure that it was just all for his glory and his words and everything else. So it's just so backwards how it all came about, but it was just his perfect timing. That's awesome. So, yeah, pretty crazy. And so how long did that, I mean, with a newborn, how long did the writing process end up taking? I think it ended up taking a total of about 10 months okay. um, with maybe about six months of really writing. And I think a week and a half before the manuscript was due, I had an entire chapter that I completely took out and rewrote. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just like one of those things that... I don't know. It was like God gave me the perfect allocation of words for that stretch of nap time every single time. It was just the craziest thing where like I would sit down, crank out and right as I was getting my last thought out is when the baby would wake up. And so it was just really fascinating to watch it all. Yeah. Um, kind of spill out of me. Like it was just bottled up and being perfected this whole time. And God's like, okay, here you go. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. How that just all happens like that. And so how old is your little guy now? He turns um, two on Saturday in two days. Okay. So it's been a pretty quick process of like yep. getting baby book and now another baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had baby and then book. And then, um, I turned in the manuscript last October and then five months later found out that we were pregnant with miracle babe number two. That's so, and then my book came out in October and then we moved and then this baby's due in four days. <laughs> so yeah. it's been the Wait. last, like since October has been pure chaos. Oh, it's been I so can't crazy. imagine. And yeah. you didn't just move. <laughs> you moved. We moved across the ocean. Yeah. yeah you so. moved from Hawaii to Oregon. <laughs> like that's no yeah. small thing. Yeah. So we were living in Maui. So we moved to Maui um, 
about after a year and a half after Shauna died, because I just needed to heal. And my sweet husband was like, anywhere that you want to go, we'll go. And wow. he just indulged me and we packed up everything that we owned and moved to Maui with one-way flights and five suitcases and, wow. and lived there for four and a half years. And then um, eventually brought our stuff over and, you know, kind of settled in. And then um, when we moved back, we sold everything that we owned on Maui. And wow. so we moved back with about uh, 10 suitcases, 10 or 15, anything that could fit in a suitcase we crammed in and, and brought over, but we didn't have any furniture. We moved when I was um, 36 weeks pregnant, right at the travel cutoff oh time and moved right back into our house that we were living in before, but it was completely empty. So we had to buy all new furniture, all new like silverware and glasses and, you know, every little thing that you could possibly imagine yeah. when I'm like nine months pregnant, about to pop and nesting. And I'm like, yeah. Been so intense moving and setting up a house and nesting and preparing for baby and yeah that's a yeah. whole different level of nesting than most yeah people totally just like the timing of it all like when this book comes out and I should be like really marketing it it's yeah. just like this whole like I literally just don't have time it's this whole yeah. hands-off kind of feel of like okay god I did my part you have to do your part now because I don't have time to like sit on Instagram all day every day and do the social media thing and do the yeah. promotion you know like Hi, I'm having an actual person come out of me. I don't have the ability to do that right now. Right. And like I'm surrounded by cardboard still. Like I'm even like up in a bonus room and there's like a pile of like cardboard over in the corner that needs to be like taken care of of furniture that's been put together. So, but it's been really sweet and redemptive because like the timing of all this is like we just had the six year anniversary of um, when Shauna died the day after Thanksgiving. And just the fact that like we, I were back in the house that was so empty for so long. Like I, I keep saying it was always a house, but never really a home. It's like a mm, 2200 yeah. square foot house. That was just my husband and I yeah. and empty bedrooms that I just dreamed of being kids rooms. And now just the timing of it and moving back in, um, kind of redeeming all of this heartache and especially around the time that Shauna died and like now coming back and about to bring home a baby into the house that I never thought I was going to bring a baby home into is yeah. like that's just redeeming so many uh, like the smallest details and the biggest details and it's like this this beautiful big red bow on top of this already crazy story. It's almost like the book that I wrote was like, there's a little asterisk at the end of like, we're almost finished, but hang on, there's one more little surprise. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. We're gonna have two babies. So it's pretty crazy. Well, and that, I, that was actually one of the questions I have you. Do you think there'll be another book? Uh, well, yes, there's definitely going to be more books in the future. I just don't know. Like I, I really have a heart for like, I want to write Bible studies and, you know, teach women how to study scripture, but that's not to say that it's, I mean, I don't know if this format is going to be like my format or if that was just a one-time deal. Mm -hmm. Um, but he keeps giving me these redemptive stories and connecting like these crazy details of things that I would never normally I don't think I would catch on to unless I was an avid prayer journaler. And like, yeah. even like, like the day that, um, after Shauna died, we were in, um, Corvallis where she lived for 33 days total between hospice. She was in hospice for 23 days and then she died at the memorial service. So we were displaced about two and a half hours East of where we live, wow. um, for 33 days. And the day that we drove home and, um, kind of entered into the new normal of, living life 
again without her was December 3rd, um, six years ago. And I just realized a couple of days ago, flipping back in my prayer journals and like looking at everything that that's the same exact day as my due date for this baby of, you know, like I have this ability to like write within that same couple of day range to like walk into the same house that I walked into so heavy. And so like, I just remember like every single step walking up the stairs to my bed where I climbed into bed and I didn't get out for like 48 hours or something. and was just crying and grieving and so heartbroken. And to be able to like bring this second miracle home from the hospital into this house and walk up those stairs. It's like that true, like Psalm 126 has been my mantra for the last couple of months of like how you go out weeping and you return home, you know, with joy and how he's just redeeming all of it. It's so sweet and special and amazing. Like how he just comes full circle. It's so it's beautiful, especially for someone who's like still very in the middle of like the hard stuff. It can be it can be difficult to to see the hope and the redemption on the other side. Like mm-hmm. you can just feel, I'm sure you can relate to this, but you just feel oh, yeah. like it's not ever going to get better. There's not going to be that beauty on the other side. Like, is totally. there a promise of that, you know? Right. And I, I remember being at a, um, a conference one time and they were doing the worship leading up to it. And I was, I can't remember if I was getting ready to speak or if I was speaking the next day, but I was ugly crying in the back because they were singing it is well with my soul. And I couldn't say it because I was in the midst of, I had lost her Shauna and I still didn't have a family. And I was like, God, this is, it's not well with me. I can't say this. This is not a season of my life where this is well with me, but I had to get on my face on the bathroom floor that night and just acknowledge, okay, it might not be well with me now, but it will be eventually. And that's where faith comes in of like, that's why I call the white knuckle faith of like, I'm just clinging to his robe and that Hebrews anchor of soul. I'm just clinging to that anchor chain and just trusting that eventually it will be well with me, you know? And yep. now I can say it is well with my soul. And we're six years out from her death and her um, death anniversary this year was the first time that I wasn't, I don't feel like I was really grieving, you know, like mm-hmm. I've just kind of settled into, okay, that's our story and she's gone and I miss her like crazy. But the time of really like weeping about that is over and it's okay, you know, like yeah. she wouldn't want me to do that. But anyway, it's really interesting finding that balance of like hanging on to the faith that like it's going to be well with me eventually. And it kind of sucks right now. And it's, it's fine to acknowledge that, you know, we don't always have to have the God is so good all the time, fake facade on because he knows our heart, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it's sometimes it's just that choosing to believe that, I don't know, I've had a whole, whole thing here with like some friends lately and things that they've been going through and things we've gone through in the past. And like times in my friendships with a couple of friends where it was made out to me that like, okay, (laughs) I'm not doing a good job of explaining this. But basically there was this event that happened and I needed to be separated away from my friends for a time because of like some sicknesses and stuff that were going on with our kids and everything. But my husband at the time told me, oh, this was your friend's way of getting you out of the picture. And this, they really don't like you. They don't want you, you know, whatever you need to get out of the way. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a horrible thing to be told, but my friends all came to me, this group of friends, and they were like, no, 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 that's not the case. We, we do love you. You know, this is just like this crazy thing that is going on right now, but, but we love you. We want you back. We don't, we don't not want you here. 
And Mm -hmm. I had to make that choice at that point to either listen to the lies of, no, they don't want you. You're, Mm -hmm. you don't fit. Or I could listen to what my friends were telling me in love. No, we do love you. We, we want you. We just, you know, it's just this crazy time, but we have good things planned after everybody's well again. And I feel like it's kind of that same thing with God right now. It's like, Mm -hmm. I can listen to all the lies of, no, he doesn't really want you. He doesn't have good things planned for you. You are just in this and this is the way it's going to be. Or I can, whether it feels like it or not, you know, turn to his truth and say, okay, no, he does love me. He, you know, says that I have worth, (laughs) even Mm -hmm. though I don't feel like I do and that he has good things planned, even though it doesn't feel like it right now. Right. Yep. Well, and there's a reason why there's, um, desert seasons in the Bible. And Mm -hmm. then there's, you know, like the Canaan promise and the uh, rivers in the desert and all those things, like everything has its place. And that's the hard part is that you have to like find that ability to walk through the desert without, um, believing that the desert is where, your value is or where you belong. You're just kind of walking through. And that's what I tell people all the time too, is like, especially with the grieving process is that it's so easy to just like give into the temptation to just sit down and wallow in self-pity and wallow in the sorrow and the frustration and the hardship and choose to believe the lies and just say, you know what, I'm not worth it. I'm just going to sit here and believe that for a while. But like Psalm 23 says you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You're not going to like pitch your tent and sleep there for a while. You're walking through it. Like it was designed to be traveled through. And so you just have to like go one foot in front of the other step for step until you step out of it and, you know, step into the light. And, um, I think I've had a couple people kind of warn me of like, I'm, we're in the afterglow of our miracle right now. And they're like, well, you know, it's not always going to be like sunshine and roses. And I'm like, Oh, I know, yeah. but can I just enjoy my moment yeah. for a little bit longer without right. anticipating the next shoe that's going to drop, you know, oh, but absolutely. Yeah. Let me let me hang on to a little bit of the positive <laughs> yeah. for a while here. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that's so true. I want to talk a little bit more because I know I've had people reach out to me before, and this is kind of the first season we've hit on some of the the harder topics, like we've had, you know, um, parents of kids with disabilities, or um, you know, those kinds of things coming on the show a little bit more. And I've had people ask specifically about infertility. And or delayed fertility. And Mm -hmm. so I would love to just hear a little bit more about that process for you guys and the choice that you made to not pursue fertility treatments. And Mm -hmm. that I mean, because I'm sure especially as the years wore on that 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 was probably like a hard choice to be like, I'm not just going to take this into my hands and and not to be down on anyone who does, you know, decide that that's, you know, the path that they are meant to take or whatever. But you felt so strongly that that wasn't what God had for you guys and Mm -hmm. the trust. And I mean, that takes a lot of faith to not just try to do something on your own. Yeah, for sure. Okay, ladies, if you or someone you know is about to get married, then Zola is the website that you need to hear about. Zola takes the stress out of wedding planning with free wedding websites that are super easy to set up, your dream wedding registry, affordable save the dates and invitations, and easy to use planning tools all conveniently located in one place online. 
You start out with your wedding website that just takes a few minutes to create. You can choose from over a hundred beautiful designs to really fit what your couple style is. You can personalize it with photos and stories and even an FAQ section where you can really address some of those awkward questions like, can I bring my kids or do I have a plus one? And then you can put your Zola registry right on your wedding website. So guests get to fill in all the details they need and buy your wedding gift in one convenient and beautiful place. Zola makes registering for newlywed life so easy. They have the widest selection of gifts at all different price points. Guests love the free shipping and returns, price matching, and more. There are over 500 brands, and people can even donate to your honeymoon fund or buy gift cards that you've registered for. They also have the best completion discount out there of 20% off any remaining gifts on your registry right after your big day. So if you want to start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola.com slash lovely. Again, go to Zola.com, that's Z-O-L-A dot com slash lovely to start your free wedding website and get $50 off your registry. So we kind of waited for about four years just to see if anything would happen naturally and not getting pregnant, not getting pregnant. And finally, after four years, I think that's a lot longer than most people mm-hmm. wait to do all the testing. But we jumped through all the testing hoops and everything else and then um, kind of resulted, uh, the results came down to... Um, you can either do in vitro, you can do artificial insemination, or you can adopt. Um, those are your three options. And um, we didn't feel like we wanted to do any of those. And so we chose option number four, which was to just wait for God's miracle. And um, I think that I have to preface this by saying that like my husband is very black and white with his faith in this particular scenario. Mm. Um, if he was as emotional as I was, I don't think we would have been able to wait the way that we did. Um, but he was really unwavering in his faith and that helped me. I mean, it, it definitely, um, triggered fights for sure, but also like I would fight and lash out and get my frustration out. And then the next day I would, you know, resign myself again to the fact that we are going to wait, you know, because I was just, there's a couple different aspects of this, of, Um, I just had this understanding where, okay, God told us that he's going to give us this promise and that I'm going to um, birth a child. And so if we go these other avenues, like adoptions fail, artificial insemination in vitro, like all those things could fail, Mm -hmm. you know? So if God really wants us to go this route, all these other avenues that we could go down spending all this money and all this emotional investment and things could all fail and we would be forced to go down, you know, just waiting anyways, or it could work. But, um, I just felt so strongly that if, we went down that road, it wouldn't work for us. And I think the verse is in, it's in the New Testament. I want to say James. I don't think that's right. I don't have it right in front of me, but the verse that talks about how um, uh, if you do something that you know that God has told you not to do, but you do mm-hmm. it anyways, it's sin to you. It might, it might not be outright sin. So in yeah. vitro and adoption and all these things are really beautiful processes. And God definitely, like every child is a miracle. And I don't want to negate that from anybody, mm-hmm. but for us, 
going down that road would have been disobedience. And so for us, that would have been sin for us. So we chose to not go down that road. And so I have to be really careful when I say that because I don't want to offend people that have gone down that road because that's fine. Like that's amazing. I have plenty of friends that have done in vitro successfully and have adopted and have really beautiful families. But, um, for us, it was a different story. And the only way that I was able to hang on to that for so long was, I mean, there was a series of dreams that people had that, um, they told me about that God would confirm and I've kind of laid them all out in the book um, a little bit, but very specific ways of how he um, confirmed his promise and would show up and um, just really dramatic ways. Like I have a whole red bikini story in the book that like really solidifies my, yeah. you know, like wait for this promise because there's like a red bikini promise. It's a really crazy story. I can, I don't know if you want me to say it here or just like save it for the book, but uh, <laughs> I know it's hard. I always feel like the author, it's like, I don't want to, if you don't, if you want to wait and make people read the book, like, you know, I totally am for that. But if you want to share something you can too. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually a really, really crazy story because it's something that's like this innocuous detail that doesn't mean anything. But before we moved to Maui, I was cleaning out our, our my uh, bathing suit drawer and I my very favorite bathing suit for like five years was this red bikini and it was completely threadbare and falling apart. And I was like trying stuff on and trying to decide what to get rid of and everything else. And my husband had walked in and he's I had this red bikini on and he's like, no, it's time to get rid of it. Because like the, the bottoms of it were like the fabric was completely sagging. It was all separated. And he's like, it is dead. Like you need to part with it. So I threw away my favorite bathing suit and started shopping for a brand new, like red bikini to replace it. And I couldn't find one. Like I had a really particular, it was like a bando style. It's like really silly, but it was like a really particular style that I loved. And Mm I have, I have a twin sister and I had her shopping for it in Phoenix and I was looking online (laughs) and in magazines and I couldn't find this red bikini. And so anyways, we ended up moving and I kind of put on the back burner and forgot about it. And then probably six or seven weeks after we moved, um, mind you, we moved to Maui specifically for healing. So, um, this is all part of this crazy story, but six or seven weeks later, I get a text message from a friend that I had met at a conference, I don't know, probably eight months earlier. And she said, don't ask me, why I'm asking you this, but do you want a bathing suit that's specifically like a red two piece? And I was like, well, that's a really random question. Um, and I used to have on my Facebook like cover photo for a long time was a photo of me and my husband in Cancun sitting at the end of a dock where I'm wearing this red bikini. So I was like, maybe she saw that and she's thinking about that. So I was like, well, I used to, and I've been trying to find one, but I haven't found one yet. And then I asked her what she told me not to ask her. And I was like, why are you asking me this? And she replied and she's like, well, when we met at the conference, we were at dinner and you were talking about moving to Maui, but you weren't sure. Like we were at the time we had probably four or five different cities that we were talking about moving to like San Diego and Atlanta and Portland and Maui and this random mix of stories. So we were still kind of unsure where we were going to end up. But she said, after we were talking at dinner, she said that night I had a dream that you were standing on the beach in Maui with a red bikini on and a very pregnant belly. And I just knew that you were always going to end up there. And so it was just like those kinds of little details. Like every time Mm -hmm. I tell that story, it gives me chills because it was like just when my faith would be wavering. We were like 
eight and a half years into waiting at that point. And God would just give me a little sliver of hope of like, you're yeah. going to get pregnant. You're going to have a baby just like with these little details, like who nobody would know about the red bikini detail. You know, that's something yeah. that's so specific to me. and so silly that like, I don't know, God cares about every single detail, even if it's a red bikini. So there, there was that. And there was just a whole series of a bunch of different things that, um, I couldn't deny, you know, they yeah. all kind of like fed, they were kind of like the, the rocks providing like the path for me to walk on, on faith, you know? So, um, not to say that it, we didn't have our moments where I was, would be crying and be like, Josh, can we just go buy a baby? Like, let's just go adopt. There's plenty <laughs> of kids out there, you know, but it was just this thing of like, God had a different story for us. Yeah. And it was really terrifying. Like I would get up on stage in front of 250 or 300 women and tell our story and say, you know what? It's been eight years, but I believe that God's going to do our miracle. And like I started about a year and a half or two years before I got pregnant, started really being brave on social media and saying it out loud and, you know, being like, okay, you guys might think I'm crazy, but like God's going to do this. And then sure enough, the same exact month as our 10 year anniversary when we started trying was when, um, we got pregnant and it's just so crazy. And then, um, my son's due date was two days before, um, Shauna's death anniversary. So there's so like with between him and this baby, there's so much redemption happening with like, there are so many details and so much heartache in those 10 years that God has to like spread out the redemption across two kids, you know, (laughs) it's a lot for one kid to like represent. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. So, yeah. Well, and it's just crazy for me because I read the book and, but you know, I read a lot of books because I yeah. talked to a lot of authors, but I forgot. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that I read it, but you bringing up the piece about the dreams and mm-hmm. you know, th- that's something I feel like in our culture that people are like wary of like what yeah. a dream, like, is that really, you know, whatever, <laughs> but it can't be denied that God uses dreams in the Bible. Yep. And yep. through this past year, I have had some dreams myself and I've had other people reach out to me and say I had a dream about you and this happened and they're all kind of around the same sorts of things Mm -hmm. that are very much applying to my scenario and you know there it's hard because I when I hear like what other people will say like these couple of people who've reached out to me said I had a dream and these were all the specifics of it you know, there's that part of you that's like, no, I don't want to believe that, you know, but yep. at the same time, it's like, but I can't deny that 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 feels right. And that mm-hmm. feels like a sliver of hope that God is giving me for the future. Like yeah. he's giving me like this just little snippet of, look, I've got something good on the other side mm-hmm. of this. You just have to wait. And, totally. you know, I don't have I don't have the ending story of whether those things are coming true. And so it's like you don't know how much stock to put into it. But right, sure, it definitely does like just hearing even hearing having you bring it up again, mm-hmm. like about the dream thing is like, oh, is like, is that God <laughs> showing me again? Like, just hang on to that. Like, it's right. It's going to be OK. Like you have to. I think especially when there's so much hard Mm-hmm. even those little tiny things you yep. have to cling to and be like, okay, that I'm going to hang on to that hope for right now. Well, and it's also, it's also okay to ask God to confirm or deny something, yeah. you know, like I yeah. had to revisit that multiple times and our 10 years of waiting of like, I'd have to constantly check in, especially towards the end of like, at one point I felt like I was like standing on the wrong side of a Canyon, you know, like, yeah 
you know, believing that I was like standing on the right side, but all of a sudden having this fear of like, what if I've been believing the wrong thing all these years, you know, like, and having that panic anxiety of like, God, you've got to confirm or deny this right now. And when I had that confirm or deny moment, I had a quiet time and I was just desperate. I was like, God, confirm or deny that we are still supposed to wait. And then two hours later with this silly red bikini, two hours later, I got an email from a social media director that was working for me to populate some Pinterest uh, boards and things. She sent me an email and the subject line, all that it said was, what do you think about this red bikini? And I was like, okay, like that's my sign to hang on. But also I had, speaking of dreams and confirmations and things, I can't remember if I put this story in the book or not, but, um, shortly after Shauna was diagnosed, um, a girlfriend of mine had a dream. So we were five years into our wait and, um, she had a dream and she was, she'd reached out and she's like, listen, I had a dream about you, but I just want to wait and pray for a couple of days to make sure that it's from the Lord. And I don't want to like, like, just send it to you off the cuff, but I really want to share it with you. And so let's have coffee. And I was like intrigued, but also kind of cynical because it had been five years and everything else exactly like what you're talking about, you know? Yeah. So we meet for coffee and she shares me, shares this dream with me. And I was just kind of taking it with a grain of salt and probably had a really cynical look on my face, you know, like, cause I was at that point at the five year mark is when I was just like setting aside faith and hope. And I was tired of believing and I was getting a little cranky and cynical and everything else. And so we were sitting in a coffee shop and she's like, I just had this dream that I was standing backstage at a conference and you were on stage teaching and I was holding a baby and somebody walked by and said, Hey, whose baby is that? And she said, this is Josh and Jane's baby. And she's like, I don't know if you birthed this child or how it came about, but I know it was your child. And so I was like, oh, that's really interesting, you know? And um, so we were talking for a while and then I was driving home and just thinking about it. And I kept thinking about um, the verse in Luke when the angel appears to Mary and she just pondered everything in her heart. And so as soon as I got home, I grabbed my Bible to go look for that verse in Luke and um, had the, the page open and I had boxed out something at some point in time in pink and I never really used pink pen in my Bible, but something caught my eye that was outlined on the page in a pink box. And I went to look at the verse that was boxed out and it said, blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of the word that was spoken to her from the Lord. And I was like, okay, (laughs) that's confirmation, right? You know? So like, I think that, you know, people have dreams and God speaks through dreams, but God is so faithful to, you know, provide confirmation of, yeah, that was me. Oh, that wasn't really so much or whatever, you know? And, and he doesn't always do that, but I'm like for the big things that are like black and white, big, heavy issues like this. I think that he's super faithful to give you the green light of like, yeah, keep believing that hang on to that because that's a little piece of the future that I have for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, we've kind of said it's not until you kind of get on the other side that you know that, okay, those were those were things all, you know, leading up to it. But but he does give you those little moments of like that settledness in your heart of, okay, you know, that that is that is from him. There's just you got to keep keep believing. (laughs) and It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, it's it's so sweet and it's such a sweet story it's you know it's hard you you don't hold anything back in your book it's it's gritty some of the time where you know I told you before we started that I read the first couple chapters and it hit 
real close to home and I like had to set the book aside and be like, maybe I need to go to the doctor, like <laughs> see if I need to be checked out. Like this is a woo. That was, that was yeah. heavy stuff. But, and even my friends, I was like, I'm having this gal on the podcast and I'm reading this book and this is the first couple of chapters. And they're like, girl, you've got, just stop. Just don't even read. Just I'm like, I gotta read it. And they're yeah. like, you can't, you can't, that's too hard. But, but there's so much redemption in the story mm-hmm. and it's such a good encouragement to, to press into God in those yeah. really hard moments. And even when it feels like you're kind of going, you know, where are you mm-hmm. to, to still know that even when the feelings aren't necessarily there, that his word is true and right and will be our rock if we just press into that. And right, so, for sure. And for that, the book was, was very much worth it. So, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, it was very good. I'm glad that you pushed through. Yes. <laughs> Let the <laughs> cancer fear yeah. overtake you. Yeah. <laughs> But now we're going to kind of transition. I know we've had like this big, you know, great kind of heavy discussion, but now we get, things will get a little lighter. Um, Let's do it. What does a typical day look like for you right now? Right now at this moment? Oh my gosh. Waking up every morning one? and <laughs> so sad that I'm still pregnant. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. Well, kind of kidding. Last night I had dreams all night that I was inducing because I'm so ready to like be done being pregnant. <laughs> but um, I, that's an interesting question. Before we left Maui pre-move, it would I would just like wake up and, you know, make breakfast and hang out with our little babe and walk down to the beach and get him out and then sit down and work while he was napping, um, whether that's editing photos or um, designing websites or writing for a blog post or a Bible study or something. Like I would have my um, afternoon time to work and then he'd get up and we'd just do the dinner routine. And so that was my typical day-to-day routine, but now everything is all cattywampus out the yeah. window. So um, It will be for a while because yeah. let's face it, you're having a baby and that just makes yeah. for not typical days any day. Right, totally. But um, on a good day, I'm probably three or four times a week, I'll probably wake up early and squeeze in a, a good quiet time. Um, so that's a priority for me. But yeah, that's that's pretty much a general, you know, in a, a normal sense setting. That's um, how a typical day looks for us. Yeah. That sounds, you know, life with littles. Yeah. Yeah. Although come January when I'm like, wait, it's going to be cold for five more months and yeah. there's not a beach a thousand feet from where we live and I can't go swim in the tropical ocean. Like, what did we do? Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be really interesting kind of adjusting yeah. back to that. But I'll yeah. think a lot about my old normal in Maui. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I think that's kind yeah. of the dream all of us have would be to live yeah. on Maui. So I, I imagine it would be a bit of an adjustment, especially yeah, with sure. littles where it's like you're trapped inside forever yes definitely I I so get that one (laughs) okay so how are you currently cultivating the lovely in your life even in the midst of all of this crazy oh my gosh well I feel like I'm uh gosh just trying to set up little pockets of our home and um I think trying to make that feel lovely is um I know that's a year-long process I was just talking with um somebody on Instagram, how she had posted something about how they've been working on their house for a year and it's finally coming together. And I had to remind myself that this whole like feeling of like, okay, it's finished and it's lovely and it's cozy and that's going to take a year, not two weeks. But, um, 
I think just finding those little things like just setting up our bedroom and just feeling like a little sense of calm and like I can just take a deep breath and um, especially because I'm not creating right now I'm not really doing any design work or doing any photography like I don't have that creative outlet so that's Mm -hmm. kind of coming out in our home and trying to set it up without overthinking everything and trying to make it perfect all at once you know like I can just take little sections at a time and you know, yeah. make these little vignettes here and there. So absolutely. That's, and that's a good place to direct it right now. Cause that's right. You know where you're at. So I think that's, that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. I know for me, this is, you know, a silly thing I've been doing to cultivate loveliness in my life, but you know, there's so little that I have control over right now and, yep. you know, living with family and just don't know kind of from month to month what things are going to look like and still trying to build my business and all of this stuff and things just seem to keep getting pushed back farther and farther. But right. one thing that I can control is how I take care of my skin. It's kind of become mm-hmm. a new obsession for me. Like I've always been very diligent about washing my face every night and, you know, those kinds of things. But I, they had like all the, you know, Christmas sales at Sephora where they'd have, you know, like these really expensive kits for, you know, 10 or $15. Yeah. And so I just picked up a couple of different little things for myself and it's gone to become like this nightly and even morning now ritual where it's like uh-huh. I've got these creams and serums and I'm using amazing. it all. And I feel like it's just this one thing I can do to feel like, okay, I'm just taking care of myself and I can mm-hmm. feel good about it. And even on the days where I'm like working late and it's crazy, just to wrap up my night, like, okay, I took care of my skin. I'm like, I did some small thing for me. Totally. Oh my gosh. That makes such a big difference. I have a Bible study called treasures of darkness. It's a nine week Bible study with uh, five days of homework every day. And one of the um, chapters, one of the week chapters is on the beauty of holiness and how, you know, that the, the, correlation between beauty and holiness and how like when you spend more time with the Lord, you tend to have a little bit more of a beauty glow about you that you Mm. can't really describe anyways. But I talk a a little bit about that in the study about how I used to work at a makeup counter and I appreciate those types of like skincare and makeup and hair and like feeling put together and like I'm about to go get a manicure pedicure so that I'm baby ready. You know, little things like that really make a big difference when everything else is in chaos and there's cardboard and trash all over the house that needs to be taken out. At least I have a manicure, right? Yes, it's so true. (laughs) Like, I mean, all through this last year you know I I get up and I put on makeup every day and I do my hair every day and I try to wear real clothes every day and people have asked me like how if I were going through that I would just want to live in my sweatpants and you know just like be trying to get through I'm like yeah well if I did that that's how I would feel yeah that's how I would feel and I want to dress and try to present myself for the life that I want to be living, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not necessarily the life that surrounds me. And, you know, it's not perfect every day, but I do. It does make such a difference for me that it's worth it. Yep. And even just getting up and making your bed, just like having that one little piece done and finished is like, I can tackle anything if my bed's made and my hair and makeup are done. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And your nails, man, your nails. Yep. Okay, are you ready for my stock questions? Yes. Okay. Fire them out. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Oh, candles. All right. Cloth napkins or paper? Cloth. All right. And maybe, is, do you think that's from not having kids all those years that it yes. felt more doable? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for <Yeah>. sure. 
<laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. I have like white bedding still. And people are like, why do you have white? <laughs> like I, like we moved and I bought white bedding again and I'm like, it's bleach. It's fine. That's what I'm used to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. City or country? City. All right. Paper or digital? Paper. Okay. That's a tough question. Yeah, I paper. Know. I'm thinking photographs though. Yeah. Paper. Yep. Okay. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? Oh my gosh. I've done so much online shopping lately, especially for furniture with this move. And I've I made bet. a lot of mistakes Oh no! because buying houses sight unseen is not the best idea. So let's go with in-store shopping. Okay. <laughs> so it's four o'clock or whatever time you're starting to make dinner and you need a little bit of a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or to music? Music. All right. And what is some of your favorite music to listen to? Um, in that scenario, I would probably listen to Amos Lee radio on Pandora, or okay. I have a Madeline Perot radio. So more like jazzy, kind of low-key, chill kind of music. All right. Chocolate, milk or dark? Uh, milk. Okay. Sports or no sports? No sports. Okay. <laughs> My husband would be shaking his head right now. <laughs> <laughs> Live broadcasting, would you rather broadcast or watch? Uh, broadcast probably. Although I have a fear, I've never done an Instagram live because I'm terrified of it. But oh. my gut says broadcast, which is weird. That doesn't That's make any funny. sense. It's not. It's not as intimidating as it feels. Just go for it. Okay, you'll love it. It's okay. like scary for a Type A personality where everything has to be perfect. You know. <laughs> I know, but there's something about I don't know. I mean, I just thrive on like the interaction. I love doing live because of that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, you should you should give it a whirl. Okay. All right. What is your favorite movie? Uh, sweet Home Alabama. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yes. Very sweet. Okay. If you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum, like natural, <sighs> you know, and zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs <laughs> unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, where are you at? Maybe like a three. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I buy organic and that's about it. (laughs) But you've got those cloth napkins. So dang girl. But that's more for like aesthetics than (laughs) environmental reasons. (laughs) You could claim it as both though. Just take it. Run with it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was so great to just get to hear more about your story and connect with you. And just getting to talk with you totally spoke to my heart. So Thank you so, so much. Glad. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and good luck with everything. I hope the birth goes smoothly, and we can't wait to to hear more about it. Yeah, hopefully. I know it's going to be so quick, so yeah. hopefully soon. Sooner yeah. rather than later. <laughs> I hear you. Oh, I hear you. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank you. I hope you ladies are walking away from this episode feeling as inspired and hopeful as I did when I did this episode with her. It was just such a life-giving experience for me, and I hope it was for you too. You can get the show notes from this episode by going to boldturquoise.com slash 099. That's right. Next week is our 100th episode. It doesn't even feel possible. But if you want to give us like a little support for just about being at 100 episodes and really kind of wanting to give us the woohoo, what you could do is just hop over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. It does huge things for us. I know it just sounds silly, but it really does make a difference and helps boost us up in the iTunes charts and just continue to help the podcast grow and thrive. And we so, so appreciate it. 
Also, as an aside, and this one I think is really fun, you guys who've been hanging out to the very end of the podcast, you get to be reminded of it. I'm going live every morning on Instagram. That's right. We brought back the morning show, Mornings with Mackenzie, on Instagram. You can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. I try to come on every morning around 6.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we have been having so much fun. Just this past week, we did topics on the Enneagram and Audible and book recommendations and all kinds of fun things, little incremental ways that you can be really working on goals throughout the year to have long-term results. It's been so much fun, and we have just been having a blast kicking off our mornings together, kind of like the old days on Periscope. So if you want to come over and join us over there, we would love to have you. It's completely free. Just find me at Mackenzie Coppa on Instagram. And those episodes are only available for 24 hours because currently I don't have quite enough followers to get them over onto IGTV because of the length of the videos. So they do go away quick. So if you want to get to hear any of those episodes, then make sure that you get them before they expire. All right, ladies, I think that's all for this week's episode. Next week, I will be back with Jessica Honiger from Noonday Collection. But until then, hopefully I'll see you on Instagram or Patreon and go be bold and gracious. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.